0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: Do we give God like the most we can do? Or do we give God like, I'm going to give you an hour. That's about it. That's more than most people do. You get an hour. Then I got to go watch some football or something, you know. As I read these things and I'm looking at what God commends, it challenges my heart. God, where's my heart at with this? Am I willing to serve you at cost? Am I willing to serve you if it, if it wearies me or makes me tired? Or do I serve you as much as I can do until it's uncomfortable? And then that's it. That's all you get out of me.
0: Today's message brings us to the final chapter of Romans, and it's filled with the names of people the Apostle Paul wanted to greet. Each one had a special place in Paul's heart, and Pastor Bill will explain why these men and women of faith were doing incredible things for God's kingdom and for the early church and it has the potential to leave you wondering something. What are you doing for the Lord? Are you giving your all to your savior or are you doing the bare minimum of time and energy? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Romans chapter 16 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. This is a unique
1: chapter in Romans. If you look at the beginning of Romans, It was all doctrine. I mean, Paul was breaking it down. He was giving us instructing us in the word. We got the gospel with clarity, lots and lots of doctrine. Then we got to the last portion, the last section, the last several chapters of the book. And it's been very exhorting. He's given a lot of applications, how we should live then. In light of all that he's taught us, how we're to be living. This chapter is interesting. As he closes the book of Romans, Paul is going to greet a bunch of people. There's a list of 33 people in this chapter that he names by name and he sends his greetings to them. And I'm not gonna, now, I I went through and tried to study every single person through the thing. And some of them, you can confirm who they were and where he knew them from and what they had done. Others, you know, it's like it's four guys with that name. It might be that one. I'm not positive. But I did find as I went through the names what the Holy Spirit is saying in this chapter about these people to be significant. And I'm going to just tell you this up front so you can listen for it. As we read through the names and Paul identifies this person here who served this way, that person here who helped out like that, that group over there that did this for me, these people over here, we all know Paul was great. I don't think that there's any argument that Paul was of the apostles as far as how he was used. Paul's ministry was great and it was significant. But as we read through this chapter, we realize that Paul didn't do it alone. That he was a great person, a great man of God with a great call upon his life. But God surrounded him with other people. And we'll see as we go through this chapter that much of what was accomplished through Paul's life, there were people that God also sent to assist him, to help him. It was a team effort. And so I want you to be listening for this as we read through the chapter. You're going to read about all these people and what they did and what their part was. And I'm challenging everybody here to consider your part as a member of the body of Christ, as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ, What part are you playing? How are you helping? How are you serving? What part do you play? Would you be listed? You know, I look at this list and I think, man, what about all the people that weren't listed? You know, some people have a hard time with that. You know, that's why I don't don't usually go doing name and names. If I say thank you, I just say a blanket. Hey, thank you, everybody that came out and helped on Saturday. Because you know what happened? I'll mention nine people and miss number 10. And they'll be all in their feelings about it. I was there. I was there first, you know. And so, but Paul, by the leading of the Holy Spirit, is led here to Put these people's names out, and so the Holy Spirit wanted. It. So, with that, Romans chapter sixteen. Look at verse one. It says, "I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church of Sinet." Uh, sh- uh, 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 that's not tongues. Uh, I had it down. All right, y'all see the word. She's a servant of that of that Sea City. You know, Phoebe is her name. She served at at the Sea City, Chintria, whatever it is. Right. And this is the thing. No, let me finish verse two and then we'll come back to her. So that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. So this sister Phoebe first on the list. And I got to point it out. I I need to point it out right up front. You're going to notice that there's a lot of women that he lists. Just a word on that, because within the church. Uh, There are roles. There are things that God has said that a woman is not to do. And some people get all all in their feelings about that. You know, and we went through Timothy. If you missed it, you can go back and get it. Women are not to lead the church. They're not to pastor. Men. We know that if you've been around, if you don't know that you can go back and listen to it. But then that's it. Everything else they do. They serve. They pray. They teach women. They minister to kids. They prophesy. They everything else they do. And we can get so hung up on. I don't think it's right that you said women can't do that. I didn't say it. God said it, first of all. I'm looking at this list of those that have been very helpful, and I'm thinking, it's a lot of women on here. And sometimes that's how it is. You look around the church, and the women are going. And you be trying to stir up the brothers, like, come on, brothers. Like, it's not a competition, but we are supposed to be the lead. Y'all know that. Men, do y'all know that y'all are supposed to be leading? So I'm never in competition with my wife, but I'll be if my wife is serving and I'm sitting that ain't gonna be. We gonna serve together. God wants it. He wants us unified in this thing. So Phoebe is the first person mentioned, and Paul has some great things to say about it. He's sending her with his commendation. He said, "Hey, receive her when she gets there." And back in this time, because there were so many false people going out, it was important that if your church sent you out, they sent you with a, a hey, receive this person. Paul is saying, "Hey, she's a good sister. She's legit. When she gets there to Rome, receive her on my account." And it's kind of like today, you know, if somebody leaves a church and you leave in good standing. Um, you should be able to go to another church. Just call my pastor where I used to be. They'll tell you I was a good guy. I was over there serving and helping everything else. Always weary. of The person that comes and Well, you know, I I, once, I was at that one place. Well, What was that one place called? Uh, you know, it's like uh, out in that one city. Yeah. Well, was it called? What was the pastor's name? Uh, I forget his name. We called him Bishop. Or something like that. Bishop had a name, you know, so I've met people like that that get real vague and you do a little homework and they didn't, they didn't, they don't broke rules and chase women and all kind of stuff. And we, we've been blessed, you know, to catch a couple here before they got started and, and put the boot to them just the same. So anyway, but Paul is saying receive her. And I want you to note the great things he says about her. She is a sister. Our sister, she's a servant of the church in that sea city, Chintria, That you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. When you receive her, don't be skeptical. Receive her in a manner worthy of one of the saints. She's a sister in the Lord, and, she had, and then Paul says, "A sister, help her, and whatever business she has need of." And he says, "Why I don't want you to help her because she has indeed she has been a helper of many, and of myself also." And the Old King James, uh, where it says that word "helper." There's another word used. And when you look it up, it's the ministry that she was providing was a very nurturing ministry. She was caring for people's needs and ministering to them. And Paul says, I want that to be known. This is the Holy Spirit. Put this in scripture for all to know. This woman, Phoebe, was a servant and she ministered to people, a lot of people, Paul, too. So Paul said, remember, receive her when she gets there. Again, I read this lady's name and I think, wow, you know, would the places that I've been be able to say that about me? receive him when he was here man he served he helped he he nourished many people he, could god say that about you about me wherever we've come from wherever we are right now are we involved in that kind of way phoebe was and paul commends her for it and as he sends his letters he closes his letter to romans he's sending now his greetings and commendations and he's he's letting them know the people that assisted along the way look at verse three now Greet priscilla and aquila my fellow workers in christ jesus who risked their own necks for my life To whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. So now we have a ministry couple, Aquila and Priscilla. This couple's mentioned six times in the scriptures. It's usually the man's name would be first. But usually when you see this couple, it's Aquila and I'm sorry, it's Priscilla and then Aquila. And it's believed that Priscilla was she had the more dynamic ministry, but she didn't step out from under her husband's covering. They served together. Paul said when they were there with him, they had um, Apollos and they they heard Apollos. And they saw the giftedness in Apollos, but that he didn't quite know all the stuff that he needed to know. And they pulled him aside. and They discipled Apollos. And they, they taught him the word of God more accurately. And he went on to serve and do great things. That was their ministry. Every time they moved, they would host a home church. Basically, they would host a fellowship in their home. So this is a couple, a ministry couple that was busy discipling younger, up and coming believers and servants. And Paul said, man, receive this couple when they come. And so to the married couples, uh, to all of my married people, I would say this. We need to find a way to serve the Lord together. Service shouldn't separate married people, but it should drive us together, it should bring us together, that we serve the Lord together. Now, we may serve in different ways. We may have different gifts, but... It's really my this is how I view it in my family. I'm married. I'm a pastor. I recognize my wife has certain gifts and abilities and everything else. And as much as my wife is my helpmate and she supports me and what God's called me to do very much in the same way. I recognize the giftedness in her and I come alongside and I try to strengthen her and assist her and help her that in doing so, we both are as functioning at as high a capacity as possible with our gifts in our respective areas It's not just for me to do my thing and you just help me do my thing. No, we both have. I recognize my wife has some gifts that I don't have and vice versa. And so it's a team effort and it's a blessing being able to serve together. What happens sometimes is one person is in a better place with Jesus and they're serving and getting busy and the other person is not doing as well. And so now it, 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 it separates. There are instances where you have husbands that are slacking. And they're actually awake. They're pulling their wives back. Their wives are like, I want to go, sir, but I can't because of you. And it happens the other way around, too. And so if you're married, you want to view your home as your first ministry. Right. So this is how it should work in a ministry family. First, it's you and Jesus. You got a relationship with Jesus for yourself. That'll always be the most important thing that you take care of your relationship with Jesus. Then if you're blessed to be married, your spouse is that's the first person you minister to. My first person of importance in ministry after Jesus and my walk with Jesus is my wife then it's our kids then everything else is an overflow of home and so I would not neglect her and I would not neglect my kids to do this because then this wouldn't be it would be wrong but I got to be right with Jesus for myself I got to make sure home is right and then I'm ministering to my kids then there's an overflow I want to come here and we want to be able to come and be of service here. And so every married couple, just check that order. You and Jesus, then your spouse, then them kids. And then there should be an overflow. As you get that stuff in order, you'll find that as we're ministering to one another and ministering to our kids, and we're walking in this, there'll be an overflow. You'll be able to come and spill over and help some other people get going. But Priscilla and Aquila were a couple. Every time they're mentioned, they're serving, they're hosting a study here, they're ministering to someone here, and Paul valued them Paul mentions something here that we don't really have the story to go along with it. But he says that these are my fellow workers in Christ. They worked alongside me. They also were tent makers like Paul. That was his side hustle that he did when he went places that, that didn't pay him. Verse four says, who risked their own necks for my sake? So at some point, they risked their own necks. there. That would mean their lives for his sake. Paul said, this couple was willing to put it out there for me. That's kind of a big deal. I don't know how many people here have ever put your life on the line for somebody else. Paul said, they risked their necks for me. Uh, you don't forget something like that. Paul say I ain't forgot. The Holy Spirit didn't forget it. It's written down for all to know. This couple right here, they ain't just talking about it. They not just telling me they love me. They risked their necks for me. I was thinking about this in my life, the people that I know who I think would be willing. And one person that I always knew without a shadow of a doubt would, wouldn't even blink at dying in my place was my mother when she was alive. From the time I was little, as I grew up, my mom it was like, man, you wanted to see wrath mess with me, and I, that that you know it, it didn't serve me well as a bad little kid because I'd be at school cutting up, and I'd go home tell my mom that teacher hit me. She, you know, I, I, when I grew up, they were still spanking kids, and uh, I remember this was the worst, this was the last time I got hit at my elementary school. The teacher name was Miss Blackburn. She didn't like me for good reason now that I've grown up and look back on it. But at that time, she was just this mean, tall, black teacher, didn't like me. She spanked me with the ruler, you know? And um, she might have done it at 10 o'clock in the morning, but I waited until 2.30 when it was time to pick up. And I was at the basketball pole, and I was hitting my hand like that, getting it it nice and red. My mom came, I I got some fresh, she, she hates me, she hit me again. And my mom went up them stairs, And they never hit me again at that school. That was it. It was over. I was delivered, you know. As I shared, I just realized, I'm saying, like, she was just like, man, she was just down for me. Paul said, this this couple, right, not just the man, both of them, they were were with me. And and even if it was going to cost them everything, they were willing to go. I would just say there's not even a person, but how many of us are that devoted and committed to God? They were committed to God and to the work of God that if it would cost them their life, they were like, so be it. We'll put ourselves in harm's way. I read this and I'm like, someone that's willing to die for something, then what else? What wouldn't you give? What wouldn't you sacrifice? If you're willing to give your life, then that means that there isn't anything else you wouldn't be willing to give your time. If I willing to give my life, of course, I'll give my time, give my life. Of course, I'll give my service, give my life. Of course, I'll give my effort, my energy, my best. And so. I would just roll the tape back a little bit for us and say, you know, maybe giving your life is too much for a Sunday morning for some of y'all. You're like, I'm leaving. This this guy is asking me to die. Okay, just would you give some time? Would you give some some of your effort, some of your energy, some of some of the best of who you are to the service of God? But Paul acknowledges them and commends them here because they were willing to die. They were willing to go. They were all in concerning, you know, walking with me. If you write notes and you'd like to write down some of the places where they're mentioned in Acts 18, there's three places. Acts 18, verse two. Acts 18, verse 18, and Acts 18, verse 28. So Acts chapter 18, verse 2, verse 18, verse 26. I'm sorry, I said 28. And you can look at those later. But that's Priscilla and Aquila, ministry couple. And once again, if you're blessed to be married, um, spend some time with your wife, husband. Spend some time with your husband, wives, and pray and discuss and talk about how you might serve the Lord together. Find out how you can help her or help him in what they've been called to do, how you guys might be able to come together in ministry and in service for the Lord. Amen. Moving on. Verse five, it says, likewise, greet the church that is in their house because they were hosting a home church. Uh, and I got to say this back then. They didn't have what we have today. They weren't church buildings. They just didn't have church buildings like what we have today. And especially when there was a time the persecution where the churches were being run out and chased all over the place. And so they had home churches. These home churches had pastors. They had people that were there that were able to teach and give doctrine. The apostles like Paul and different ones would go establish these churches, go make sure the doctrine was correct in these churches, would follow up. Why do I bring that up? Because today a lot of your cults and groups, they like to do these sort of things. We're going to meet here, just us. And it's kind of just like an axe, but there's no appointed teacher there. Or sometimes what people are doing is drawing people away. So they can disperse false doctrine. There's no real authority over what's going on. You want to be mindful and be cautious of that. These studies weren't something that Paul wasn't aware of. Paul was like, yep, the church is in their home. We're going to see as we go through the list that Paul recognizes believers that were gathering at different places, that he had either been to these places or had leaders or pastors that he sent out to go and minister and see about them. So they were hosting this and they they did this each time they moved. It seems like they would start all over again. Look at verse five now. Um, so likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus, who is the first fruits of Achaia in Christ. And so the last part of verse five, this person Epinatus, um, their name means praiseworthy. And they were the first fruits of Paul's ministry in Achaia. And so Paul is the first people, the first person that got saved when I got there. And he remembers them, and they're part of the work there. And sometimes I look out here and I'll remember people like when they came. At what error they came. There are times where I stand here and I'm looking out and I'm like, oh, I remember that person came our first Sunday at this spot. You know, I remember this person came our first Sunday at Warren Lane, or this person came our first this, I remember people that are here right now that were there our first week over at Morningside, right down the street. And Paul says, Hey, this guy right here uh, was the first fruits of our ministry in the KI, and he remembers him. First fruits of a KI in Christ. Verse six, greet Mary who labored much for us. And just the, the the word that it uses for labored, uh, this woman, Mary, is, is working to the point of exhaustion. One of the books I was reading on this was talking about how a lot of the Marys you read about were more, they were worshipers. You know, when you had Mary and Martha, Mary was the one sitting at his feet. The other Mary was, you know, pouring out ointment and just worshiping. But this Mary here, uh, she was a laborer. She was working. She labored hard in the Lord. We don't know what her work was. We don't know what she did. But the Holy Spirit saw fit to put that she worked hard. She labored to the point of exhaustion. Again, as I read this, I'm looking and saying, God, do I serve you? Have I ever served you to the point of exhaustion where I'm like, Man, I'm done. I've, I've gone so hard for the Lord. Do we serve God like that? Do we give God like the most we can do? Or do we give God like, I'm going to give you an hour. That's about it. That's more than most people do. You get an hour. Then I got to go watch some football or something, you know. As I read these things and I'm looking at what God commends, it challenges my heart. God, am I, where's my heart at with this? Am I willing to serve you at cost? Am I willing to serve you if it, if, it, if it wearies me or makes me tired? Or do I serve you as much as I can do until it's uncomfortable and then that's it? That's all you get out of me. May we all be challenged. The word is it's intended to build us up. But some of you guys might be serving to the point of exhaustion. so for you, I hope that you read Mary did it too. And you were like, all right, well then God sees it. He sees it. But maybe not. Maybe you're saying like, man, I, I can't. I don't think I ever was exhausted for God. Then do something. I mean, get exhausted for the Lord. Do something. Man. Exert yourself for the kingdom's sake. Find something you can do for Him. Verse seven. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my countrymen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. And so these two here, Andronicus and Junia, some believe they were a couple. We know they were also Jews. They were Paul's countrymen and they were in prison together at some point. At some point in Paul's ministry, they were in prison together. So some wonder if we don't know where they're in prison. Paul been in prison so many places. We don't know which imprisonment it was, but he also notes that they were saved before him. They were in Christ before him. But what a blessing, I guess, if you get locked up for preaching the gospel to look up and see across the cell. Some other believers. Anybody here has ever been in a dark place. And, or you've been somewhere. That's, that's uh, you know, it's not a real encouraging environment. Or atmosphere. And, and you, you end up connecting with another believer. It's an encouragement. It's, it's light in a dark place. It's refreshing. You, know, you end up in a, in a hospital. And find out your nurse is a believer. And now you, got some, you got fellowship right away. Intimate fellowship with someone. It's a blessing. So Paul said, I remember these two. And he notes them. Uh, Andronicus and Junia, they were Jews, they were fellow prisoners, uh, they were noted among the apostles, and they were saved before me. So they're not a fruit of his ministry, but they were already saved when he met them. Next verse 8, greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. And again, I read some of these and we don't know, I mean, why was Amplius his beloved in the Lord? You know why? I don't know. Right. But there was some relationship. There was something there that that this person, Paul. I, I just as I'm writing this list out, the Holy Spirit brought this person up, and I remember them, beloved in the Lord. Maybe they were a loved person or someone that Paul loved, but they're his beloved. He said in the Lord, just loved in the Lord, my beloved in the Lord. And there was a, that that to me speaks of a sweetness of relationship. So as I read that, right, I know that there are people in the body of Christ that are very sweet just their nature. Now, when I say sweet, man, I'm not talking none of funny stuff. I'm saying, (laughs) y'all know, I just want to be clear. I don't want nobody, I don't want to encourage the wrong stuff. So I just got to be clear these days. But when I mean, I say sweet, I mean, in Jesus, that there's some people that just have, they got sweethearts, you know, they're, they're loving, they're considerate, they're compassionate. They reach out. And you, when you think of them, you think, man, that person, that brother, that sister is just sweet and not in a, a weird way, you know? So, you know, and it's, there's some people that you know that's like, man, they sour. You always mad. You always got an ax to grime and you always beefing with somebody. You know, where do you line up? Like, what's your character like? You know, when people think back of your involvement in the body, your involvement around believers, are you sweet? Are you beloved in the Lord? Are you butthugged in the Lord? You know, you just mean and, and always, you know, because sadly, there are people in the church where it's like, man, are you saved? Are you so mean? I know some mean church people. I have met some mean, mean. And I'm like, I'd be blown away. I I met a minister of a church and I didn't know he was a minister when I met him. I was looking at buildings. I went and looked at this one building and I had a simple question. You know, I was a very nice building, but I didn't see any parking. So I wondered where the parking was. It turns out that this guy was building it out and he had the same issue and the city was on his case or whatever. I didn't know none of that. So I said, hey, where's the parking at? This dude turned around, and I found out later, when I found out he was a pastor, I was like, what? He said, what, is that any of your DA whatever business? And I'm like, sir, I, I, bro, I'm a Christian. I said, I just saw the beautiful church. I, what, is it? any business? I said, if you don't want to tell me, you don't have to tell me. And then he finally came down and told me that the city had been on his case and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, who's the minister here? It's him. I said, (laughs) these poor people you know I about the fist fight on the corner you know i just wanted to know where the parking was and i'm thinking what kind of guy is that you know that and that's the pastor like what's that marriage like when people mess up how you talk to them you know (laughs) i can not imagine talking to y'all like that is it any of y'all, you know and cussing at the people of god you know but anyway some people and maybe some of y'all are here you know you need some help in that area
0: Romans 5, 3 to 5 says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Paul knew suffering, and he had faced false accusations, been beaten, left for dead, imprisoned, and hated by his own people. How could a man who has suffered so much rejoice in it? He answers that question through the love of God and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Next time you're facing suffering, jump into the book of Romans, dig into the life of Paul, and remember the purpose of the suffering to produce endurance, character, and hope. We're so glad you joined us today on A Transforming Word, where Pastor Bill Buffington has been working his way through the rich book of Romans. A transforming word is in ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. If you're in the area, we love to see you in person. We have two services on Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. and one service midweek. That one is held Wednesday evenings at 7. If you're not in the area, we live stream our services on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also find us online at calvaryinglewood.org. Under the media tab, you'll find links to our messages as well as our mobile app. We're out of time for today. Thanks for deciding to spend your time with us today. We'll see you again next time with more from Romans on a transforming word.